You're listening to the sermon cast of First Presbyterian Church Spartanburg. To watch the full video of this worship service and to learn more about the ministries of our church, visit us online at fpcspartanburg.org. We hope you enjoy the message. As I mentioned with the children, our scripture today comes from Luke's gospel. It's a continuation of this sermon series that we have been in throughout the fall where we're looking at the stories of people in the Bible, ordinary people, you might say, through whom God works extraordinary things. And as we study these stories, we're asking ourselves, where do we see our story, both individually and the story of the community and communities to which we belong as part of them? And so today we turn to the story of Bartimaeus, a man who we are told in the Gospels is blind and begging at the gates to the city of Jericho. We meet Jesus here in Luke's gospel, the 18th chapter, as he is on his way up to Jerusalem. The events that will follow this story in Luke's gospel are the events of the passion, Jesus' eventual arrest, death, and resurrection. But first, on his path to Jerusalem, he makes a stop here in Jericho. So let us listen now for a word from God as we hear these verses from Luke chapter 18, beginning with verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man, Mark's gospel has an identical story, identifies the man as Bartimaeus. A blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard a crowd going by, he asked what was happening, and they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Then Bartimaeus shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who were in front sternly ordered him to be quiet, but Bartimaeus shouted even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still, and he ordered that the man be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked Bartimaeus, What do you want for me to do for you? Bartimaeus said, Lord, let me see Again, Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has saved you. Immediately, Bartimaeus regained his sight and followed Jesus, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, praised God. Friends, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, draw near to us in this space, in this time, in this moment. Send your spirit, O God, that it would work upon our hearts, that it would take the meditations within and the words without and use them to your glory. For you and you alone, O God, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Someone told me a story recently about an American church that sent a group of church members down to Guatemala for a week of mission. These members spent this week in this small village in Guatemala, and one of the things that they noticed and were really bothered by throughout that week was the fact that there were pigs everywhere in this community, just running all over the place. There were some farmers in this American group, and as the week went on, they began to 
talk with the other members of the group saying, you know, we should really do something about this for this community. We should raise some money and we could purchase them some pig pens and that would really help with this issue that they have. So sure enough, they go back at the end of the week to America and they go out into their church and they raise money. They raise a lot of money, in fact, and they arrange for these pig pens to be bought and to be installed there in the community that they had spent that week in Guatemala. And a number of years go by. And after a few years, the group went back down to Guatemala and they made a point to go back to this community that they had served in, that they had purchased these pig pens for. And when they get there, they were utterly dismayed because there were pigs still running everywhere. Not only were they dismayed, I mean, they were also, frankly, a little bit upset. Right. They pulled the community leader aside that they had worked with on this project. And they said, what gives, man? Like we raise a lot of money to get you all these pig pens. And the community leader looked at him and said, yeah, but no one ever actually asked if we need them. He said, you see, in this community, one of the benefits of having the pigs run everywhere is that they feed themselves. Now, these nice, sparkly new pig pens you all got us are great, but as soon as we put the pigs in there, guess who's got to feed them? We do. And sometimes, when times are hard, that can even mean that we have to not feed our family in order to feed the pigs. Y'all never ever actually asked what it is we need. That's what I'm struck by in this story. Jesus doesn't make the same mistake, does he? Jesus asks Bartimaeus what he needs. Literally, right there in the text. What do you need me to do for you? Jesus' words. It's remarkable, isn't it? Amazing what we learn sometimes when we ask people what they actually need. It took me a few years, but after doing a lot of visits, as Pastor Craig, myself, and others in the ministry do in hospitals and in medical situations, where we go and we talk and we pray with those who are going through treatment or preparing for surgery, it took me a few years, but I eventually learned not to assume what people need prayer for in those situations. Right? So sometimes now when I'm visiting with someone, say, before surgery, rather than just assuming I know what they need prayer for in that moment... I'll often ask them, how can I be praying for you? Right? What do you need me to pray for? It's amazing what I'll find out. Because oftentimes people won't res- uh, uh, reply by saying, you know, pray that the surgery goes well, even though that is certainly one of the things they need prayer for. Sometimes I'll say, what do you need prayer for in this moment? And they'll say, I really need you to pray for my 95-year-old mother on the other side of the country, who I know is sitting by her phone. Right now, and for the next eight hours while I'm in surgery too, just waiting for the phone call to come and tell her how things went. I need you to pray for my children. This diagnosis has really just shattered their sense of normalcy. Sometimes I'll ask what they need prayer for, and it's not even healing. What they say is, I need peace. Because, Alan, frankly, by this point, there have been so many disappointments, so many different things that we have tried and tried and tried to address the problem the surgery is supposed to address that I'm kind of afraid to even let my hopes get up that what I'm about to go through will have any more effect than anything else we've tried. Pray for peace. 
What do you need? Jesus asks Bartimaeus. Lord, I need to see, Bartimaeus says. Isn't it remarkable here that Bartimaeus is willing to name what he needs? I don't need no pig pens, God. What I need is sight. Bartimaeus is willing to name before God exactly what it is he needs. And what's even more amazing to me is what God gives Bartimaeus, what Jesus does for him, is way more than just a physical healing. There are two things in this story I want to make sure we don't miss. The first is that Jesus doesn't actually go to Bartimaeus to heal him. What does Jesus do? He turns to the crowds, the crowds that have just been telling Bartimaeus to shut it. Bartimaeus, this guy don't care about you. He's here for us. You're the beggar at the city gate. Won't you pipe down? Right? This community of people that have probably spent a lot of energy and time pushing people like Bartimaeus to the edge. Jesus tells them, the crowd, to bring Bartimaeus to him. Suddenly, this community that has specialized in ostracizing Bartimaeus, in large part perhaps because of his disability, is required to participate in his healing. And not only that, once Bartimaeus has received his sight again, what does he do? He follows Jesus, Luke tells us. Now, this might not seem remarkable, but it is interesting. When you look at a lot of the healing stories in the Gospels, Many, if not most, of those healing stories result in the person who has been healed returning back to their family or community. But here we have one of the handful of stories where the person who has just been healed becomes a disciple in the true sense of the Gospels, right? Follows Jesus, takes this newfound sight and uses it to follow wherever it is that Jesus goes. There's something more than a physical healing here. Jesus, quite literally, I think, restores Bartimaeus to wholeness. This passage begins with him as a beggar, but by the end of it, he has nothing to beg for because he lacks for nothing. Something far more than just a physical healing is going on here. Some of you were uh, in worship Last week, if you weren't, you can go back and listen if you want. But we talked about the story of the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, this woman who, after being offered living water by Jesus, ends up setting down her water jar and running back to tell others. You all remember that detail, right? She sets down the water jar. And I challenged all of us last week to think about what are those things that we can literally set down? I think I asked you all to set your jars down. Just leave them in here when you leave, right? I wanted to see a bunch of jars just sitting in an empty room after worship. Set down the weight of our past. Set down the shame, the guilt, whatever it is we need to set down. Well, this week I want to pull a 180 because now our hands are free, right? So I want to challenge us all this week to now imagine picking up. Picking up that thing that we most need, right? Hold it in your hands. Close your eyes even if you want, right? Feel its weight, feel its shape. 
Now, there might be a few nine-year-olds here who are like, this is fantastic, because they're imagining the thing that they really need is that Lego set they have their eyes on for Christmas, just two months away. I'm reminded of it daily in my house. But that's not what I'm talking about, right? I want us to imagine that thing we need that is missing now in our lives. Right? What's that thing that is keeping us from wholeness? Because what Bartimaeus shows us is that we can be bold. We can be bold in asking for what we need. And not only that, what this story shows us is that God actually cares enough about us to listen. Now, before you all start saying preacher gone prosperity gospel here, this is going off the rails. I want us to also be clear on the fact that sometimes, oftentimes, even the answer that God gives us, the thing that God makes happen is not necessarily always the thing that we imagined or hoped for. Chapter 18 in Luke's gospel is an interesting one. Just two stories before our story today. We get the story of the rich ruler. You all know this one. He says to Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, follow my commands. And the rich ruler says, that's fantastic. I'm good. I've covered my bases. I'm there. And Jesus says, oh, actually, there's one other thing too. Sell everything and give it to the poor. And Luke tells us the rich ruler, he doesn't like that answer. He goes away sad. And then the story right after that one, the one right before where we read today, and Luke's gospel is Jesus predicting for the third time his death and resurrection. As if to say, you know, sometimes the things that I will place into your hands will require sacrifice, even suffering. But it also points us to the fact that the only way to get to resurrection is through the cross. You can't ever achieve full restoration, full wholeness. God can never fully answer that question, fill that missing place in our lives without first being willing to go to the cross. It is only through the cross, Luke seems to be saying to us, that we can actually achieve wholeness. Some of you uh, here today were with me and Pastor Leslie and a number of other First Presers at a gathering over at Macedonia Missionary Baptist Church in Highland on Thursday. We were there uh, with people of the faith community and communities in Spartanburg, about 200 people. We filled that gym. If you want good cooking for lunch, head over that way. But we spent about six hours on Thursday talking together, these different members of different churches and different communities, talking together about a question. The question that sort of framed our time was what are some effective ways, they asked, that the faith community can support educators and students? And the more we talked, the more I realized, I think the real question we are getting at is what do our children in this community, what do our children need. This was all part of the faith initiative to end child poverty that our congregation is a leader in. 
And there were great practical answers that came out of that time around tables. So some of the answers that people gave were, well, you know, our children need uh, nutrition, especially during the summertime when our schools aren't always able to provide nutrition in the same ways they can for certain children in our community during uh, the school year. Our children need uh, mentors. They need supplies. Good practical answers. But the more we talked, I felt like the deeper we got. Right? Some of what we ended up talking about was what our children need. All of our children, they need dignity. What they need is for people to just be present with them, to embody for them a love that has no agenda or ties attached to it. What our children need, I heard them saying, in other words, was to be returned to wholeness. Wholeness. And the whole time we're there, I'm looking around, right? 200 people. It, it was beautiful. It was like the kingdom of God sort of came and hung out for six hours together there at Macedonia. But I'm looking around, and the thing I eventually really found myself being struck by was the fact that the one thing that tied everyone in that room together was the fact that we were all part of the faith community. Y'all remember what Jesus says after healing Bartimaeus? Your faith has saved you. See, it's not just remarkable in this story that Bartimaeus is bold enough to ask God for what he needs, to say, God, here's what I've picked up. Here's what I need. For me, the even more remarkable part of this story is that Bartimaeus actually has faith that God can do it. That God can accomplish what Bartimaeus most needs in his life. Right? Each of us are holding today things that we need for God to do. We need peace, God. Finally, please. We need, God, for you to heal us. We need relationship. Our community today is holding those things that we need for God to do. God, we need you to restore all of our children, no matter their school or neighborhood or background, all of our children to wholeness. But what this story tells me is that ultimately it is only when the faith in our hearts matches the weight of the need in our hands that we can finally find the courage to utter the words that Bartimaeus speaks. Lord, give me sight. I think back on that story of that village in Guatemala. And I just wondered to myself, how would it have been different if someone had just asked them, what do you need? Friends, today God is asking each of us, what is it that you need? I guess my prayer I guess my prayer is just that we would have the faith of Bartimaeus to be bold 
and naming to God what that is. Because what I wonder the most is how our story will look different if we leave here today as people whose eyes have been opened, as people whose feet are set on a new path, the path that Bartimaeus walks off the page of this passage on, the path of discipleship, of following, crucified, and risen Lord. Lord, give us sight again. May it be so, now and always. Amen.